0: From the Tulsa world, this is the OU Sports Extra Podcast, sponsored by Albert G's Barbecue. Here are your hosts, Eric Bailey and Mason Young. Well, we're back again, Mason. It's not a regular game week, but we're working like it's a game week for the second week in a row. A lot of big news coming out of Oklahoma football. Hi, Eric Bailey, Mason Young here talking everything OU football. Uh, We finally know the postseason bowl destination. It was a surprise to wear it is i thought they'd get a new year's six bowl i thought they'd sneak in they had the resume to do it instead uh they're going to the alamo bowl where they're facing arizona this is the first time we've talked since then mason so ou arizona december twenty eighth, 8 15 p.m kickoff san antonio your thoughts well you're right i mean
1: last weekend we were thinking and everything we were hearing was they might have a shot at uh the cotton bowl and potentially play in ohio state but uh the college football playoff committee decided to to keep Missouri and Ole Miss and Penn State all ahead of OU. That ultimately keeping OU at the 12th spot in the final CFP rankings and keeping them out of they needed to be 11 uh, in the top 11 to get a New Year's six because the 12th New Year's uh, the, the final New Year's six bid always goes to the top uh, group of five team which went to Liberty this year. Uh, don't agree with that decision. Should probably should have been SMU, the American champion who OU beat. And if that happens, you know potentially OU does get into a new year six. I still, when we look at the resumes of this, these teams, uh, Missouri obviously a very good team this year. Uh, it seems like on that conference call, the the committee chair, Boo Corrigan, he was really searching for reasons as to why uh, they kept Penn State and Ole Miss uh, ahead of OU. Ole Miss resume. Not really very impressive at all. Can't think of even, you know, like what their ranked wins are. And Penn State, same thing. It seems like the committee, uh, actually this year, rather than valuing the quality of your wins, which OU had uh, two very good ones in SMU and then obviously Texas, the Big 12 champion and and the number three seed in the college football playoff. But it it seems like uh that the committee valued the losses more. They valued – uh, Mississippi State uh, losing to Alabama and Georgia. They valued uh, Penn State losing to Michigan and Ohio State. And then they looked at OU and saw that OU lost to OSU and Kansas State and, and gave those other two teams the benefit of the doubt over, over OU because the opponents they lost to uh, were better on paper. So, uh, you know, don't really agree with the decision. Uh, but obviously, Al-Mobile, uh pretty good about as good as it gets largest payout of any non new year's six bowl and a good opponent in arizona this is a team that is kind of like ou improved from five and seven last year to nine and three this year playing in a bowl for the first time since i believe 2016 and i think this is going to be one of the more fun games to watch this bowl season from a competitive standpoint
0: i was really watching closely when they released the new year six pairings First one out of the shoot was the Cotton Bowl with Missouri. I said, okay, well, there's still a chance because Missouri was always rated pretty high compared to Oklahoma. And then the second one came out, uh, Penn State versus Ole Miss. You knew right then. I mean, that was it. All bets were off going, I think, the Peach Bowl. So I really thought Oklahoma had a shot. Like you said, you look at the resume, I agree. I think the win over Texas speaks volumes. And, and you're right. It's too bad they're they're looking at the losses. And, and Brent Venables, to be fair, when we talked about OU situation, even going to the big 12 championship game, he said, hey, you know we did it to ourselves basically by losing that game at Kansas, losing that game at Oklahoma State. But still, I think the quality wins, I think Oklahoma has six wins over bowl teams, which was more than those other schools. Who would have thought Mason 73 to nothing that Arkansas State would make a bowl game? If you would have told me when we walked out of that season over that was going to happen, but that was one of the bowl wins that Oklahoma has over Arkansas State. I think the non-conference schedule didn't do Oklahoma any favors. They didn't play a Power 5 school outside of uh, the Big 12, and I think maybe that had something to do with it, Uh, but they did beat a really good SMU team. So, uh, yeah, so Oklahoma not in a New Year's Six Bowl for the third straight year. Uh, Last time they went was 2020 in the Cotton Bowl So we'll see what happens against Arizona. And this is a really good Arizona team, uh, Mason. When we look at them, they've won six in a row. This is their first bowl game since 2017. And uh, they're excited. I mean, this is a game Oklahoma has to go in ready to play because Arizona is excited to be there. They're anxious for postseason. And I think that that's something that Oklahoma has to focus on. Uh, They can't go in there and go through the motions or else uh, they'll be in trouble.
1: Yeah, looking at their roster, Noah Fafita, he's their redshirt freshman quarterback. He... Stepped in, uh, I think after the fourth game of the season, their their starter Jaden Delora had an ankle injury, and Fito took over the starting job and has run, uh, you know, run with it. He's thrown for, uh, I want to say around over two thousand yards and around thirty touchdowns. Really been was the he was the Pac-12 offensive freshman of the year. Really, really good young player. Uh, they've got two receivers uh, that have ten plus touchdowns on the season. And one of them is over twelve hundred yards as well. And then their linebacker Brent Venables mentioned him today. Jacob Manu leads uh, the Pac-12 with one hundred eight tackles. Just a really good uh, player for just being a sophomore and only being his second year at Arizona. And yeah, I mean, I, I would expect that they're going to come in and, and give OU a challenge. It's it's gonna it's gonna be
0: a good one. Oklahoma at, I guess Arizona Alamo Bowl December the twenty-eighth, eight fifteen p.m. kickoff. Uh, Tom Hart, I just found this out. Tom Hart doing play by play, Jordan Rogers analyst and Cole. Help me out. Cubulus. Yeah. Kubelik. So yeah. yeah. Uh, he's the reporter for that game. So ESPN game. Well, Well, we got some news this week. Also, in terms of moving forward, uh, Monday, Dylan Gabriel penned a uh, Thank You Sooner Nation letter. And then moments later, we find out that he's, his name has entered the transfer portal. So uh, two years of Dylan Gabriel. It uh, looks like that's going to be it. And um, and then Danny Stutzman, it was reported on Sooner Scoop on Wednesday that Danny Stutzman has informed coaches that he plans to enter the NFL draft. Now, we had a chance to talk to um Brent Venables via the press conference today the Alamobile press conference and coach Venables really didn't go into detail on either player but he did mention that you know he's gonna let them make their decisions public when it when the time comes um let's talk about Dylan first I don't think it was a surprise because we knew everything was pointed that direction we were just waiting for him to decide. Uh, I know at the last game, the TCU game, he mentioned, you know, everything. He wants to stay present. Everything has a time and place. And uh, and then he came out with that letter. And then he did a radio interview on Tuesday as well. Uh, where do you think he ends up? Is it looking like Oregon? Do you think it's going to be Oregon? Uh, first of all, let's talk about Dylan's future before we talk about Oklahoma's future at the quarterback position. Do you think Oregon's the spot for
1: Dylan? I think it would be great. Obviously, ESPN has reported that he's the favorite. Uh, Oregon's the favorite and he's soon to take a visit there. Uh, If he hasn't already, I think it would really be great. You saw the ascendancy that Bo Nix had the last there the last two years after uh, really being a very mediocre quarterback uh, during his Auburn career. But obviously this year being a, uh, being a Heisman finalist and almost taking that team to a Pac-12 championship game, uh, Dan Lanning has obviously put together, you know, something really, really special in in Oregon uh, these first two years, and and they look like a team that is just going to uh, continue to to rise. And I think there's probably part of Dylan Gabriel that uh, not only sees the current success of the program, but probably uh, he's just a really thoughtful guy. I think he probably values the history of it. I mean the opportunity to go and play where Marcus Mariota won a Heisman, you know, that's them both being from Hawaii. That's obviously one of his idols that he's talked about previously. It's also really unique and really cool that uh, if you look at Oregon's schedule next year, they will play Hawaii in their season opener. So Dylan Gabriel, if he goes to Oregon, he gets to play uh, against the the team that his father played quarterback for the team that he grew up watching and idolizing uh, with players like Colt Brennan under center. So I just think it would be a really good fit uh, from a nostalgia standpoint, but it also is a good fit from Oregon is a good team and it presents a good opportunity for Dylan Gabriel to continue to improve. And, and Brent Venable spoke about today and have also heard Dylan Gabriel say this in the hours that uh, he announced his decision that, uh, this is this was all motivated by draft feedback. The decision to play another year of college football. He really hoped that this was going to be his last year and that he was going to go to the draft. But it sounds like the draft feedback is not what he's hoping it to be. And, and so I think Oregon, you know, probably gives him the best chance to continue to develop and to to get the kind of have the kind of year he wants to have next year to get the kind of draft grade he wants to have uh, to to kind of kickstart a, a professional opportunity.
0: You know, and that's the thing, too. We look at uh, what NIL is right now. That's the crazy thing is he's going to be able to really command a nice dollar figure from what he can bring to any program. I mean, I think, what is he, seventh all time in the yards list, career yards list? How many schools would kill just to have that opportunity to um, to. uh get a quarterback of his caliber, who's a veteran, who's mature. And that's what Brent Venables talked a lot about was his maturity when he joined the Oklahoma program. I think that's what a lot of these schools that are vying for his services would get. They'd get a mature quarterback. Uh, they'd get someone who's hungry and uh, they'd get someone who really, like you said, stamping his legacy uh, at a lot of different places. And uh, I, I, I'm, you know, we don't, We're not fans. You and I as journalists, we're not fans, but there's kids you want to pull for just because of what they've been through and what they've accomplished. I think Dylan, it's safe to say, is one of those kids that I've really enjoyed covering over the years, these last two years. He's been really, really good to the media. And uh, he really, in a way, he was a need for this Oklahoma football program when they needed a quarterback at the most. Uh, Can you imagine what Oklahoma would have been like if Dylan Gabriel did not come to the Sooners I'm sure Oklahoma would have got a quarterback from somewhere, but I don't know if they would have got the quality of quarterback that Dylan Gabriel was able to bring to Oklahoma. So, uh, all our best for to, to Dylan Gabriel. We'll of course keep on the track and see where he's going to end up. Um, and let, let's switch over to the defense side of the ball. We, you know, the report with Stutzman uh, going to the NFL. I, I will share this. I had a back in October. I had a chance to sit down with his dad for about an hour in Orlando. I was visiting my daughter in Orlando, and me and Steve Stutzman st- sat and talked. And uh, we talked about Danny's future, and uh, you know, we talked a little bit at the end after we turned the recorder off a little bit. And he never said that Danny was going to go pro. He never said, "Well, this is his last year." He never said that. But you just got the sense from talk when I talked to him that time that this was probably the direction that they would want to go, just simply because of how beat up linebackers can get. You know, it's running backs, it's linebackers. This is a vicious game, and if you can go out and and make you know make money. Uh, playing football and get one extra year of it, you go for it. Now, you know, of course, Steve Stetsman never directly said that, but you just got a sense just from me talking to him. That's what I got the feel from from talking to him. And so when the news came out, it really wasn't a surprise to me because, you know, if he's going to explore his NFL options because it's time to go out there and and make some money playing linebacker. Uh, I know Oklahoma fans would love to see him come back, especially with the one-year jump coming to the SEC, he would have brought a lot of veteran leadership to that position and someone that Brent Venables could rely on. Uh, That means those younger players are going to have to grow up that much quicker next season. But uh, again, you always pull for the, in my job, I always pull for the player and what the player wants. If If it's Dylan Gabriel, if it's Danny Stutzman, if it's Jordy Ball, you know, you always pull for the player and you want them to be happy. And if this is their dream, if this is their goal, uh, that's what you do. You, in my opinion, you pull for them. This is what their goals are. Now, Stutzman's departure does, like I said, leave a void at that linebacker spot, uh, not only at linebacker, but leader from a leadership role in that entire locker room. This Danny Stutzman is the heartbeat of Oklahoma football right now. He really, really drives the bus. And I think it's going to be up to some of those other players, on, a, especially on the defensive side of the ball, to pick up the baton and be leaders for this program.
1: Yeah, you know, when you think about it, it really, honestly, kind of feels like Danny Stutzman has has maxed out uh, his college football, uh, what he can do uh, as an Oklahoma Sooner. You talked about the leadership, the fact that he is the heart and soul of the team. That uh, you know, he's been a Big Twelve leading tackler. He's been an all uh, Big Twelve first team selection now this year. Uh, he obviously has put a lot of wear and tear on his body, as you mentioned. The ankle injury uh, was pretty severe that he had this year that knocked him out for an entire game. And he's had his uh, fair share of of other issues, had a a shoulder injury that knocked him out for a few games his freshman year, I remember. And and so it feels like you want to talk about from an NIL standpoint too. I mean, obviously those those T-shirts hit big after OU Texas. I mean, how many more – How many more incredible speeches like that can he give? And and how many more times can he, you know, sell a picture of him smoking a cigar while wearing sunglasses signed by Brian Bosworth? It really feels like he's maxed out his college football experience, gotten everything he could have gotten out of it from a uh, perspective of what he's put on tape, what he's meant to this program and its fan base in terms of leadership and character, and even just some of the laughs he's brought along the way. And, also what he's done in the NIL space with selling merch and having his own weekly radio spot and whatnot. So it feels like it, it's honestly uh, probably a, a good time for him to move on. Obviously, as you said, oh, you would like to have him back and have that experience of linebacker uh, going uh, into the SEC, but he's got to do what's best for him. And that probably is taking care of his body and not putting another a year of college football wear and tear on it so that Uh, He can extend his NFL career. And to your point, they're going to need some guys to step up. You like what you saw from Kip Lewis and Kobe McKenzie uh, in in the back half of the season. they really stepped up. Uh, Jaron Koenig's got a lot of room to improve. He's somebody that they need to come along and continue to learn the linebacker position and be better. And they've got some other exciting pieces there with Desan McCullough and Lewis Carter and and Samuel Omicigo. So, you know, all, all is not lost without Danny Stutzman. Uh, he obviously means a lot to this team, but you know, the thing that Bob Stoops always says, right, is that no one player or or one coach is bigger than the program. And uh, they will have, you know, plenty of bodies at linebacker with which to work with moving forward uh, from the guys in-house and the guys that they're recruiting. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they went after a transfer portal linebacker as well to try to get somebody with uh, experience at a position uh, to to work with some of those young guys, and and some of those guys that we're calling young guys uh, right now, you know, are going to be third year players next year. They're going to have a lot of good uh, experience under their belt, and are going to be uh, ready to make a big jump.
0: Well, you talk about the uh, the roster shakeup with uh, Danny Stutzman's departure. Now, there's a roster check shakeup already this week, starting on Monday. But we're seeing with the transfer portal, of course, we talk about. Players leaving and coming in. And that was a big part of Oklahoma's rebuild the last two years has been the transfer portal. now, when we look at this roster, uh, I think two, four, six, 8, 10, 11 players so far leaving this year, including three running backs uh, Tawi Walker, Marcus Major, Dalen Smothers. Uh, we see Key Lawrence on that list. We see Reggie Grimes, um, Savion Bird, which caught me off guard a little bit, as well as, you know, of course, the big ones, Dylan Gabriel. So we're starting to see some portal movement, uh, and Oklahoma did fill a void with the loss of Walter Rouse this year. They did get Spencer Brown, a transfer from Michigan State, uh, offensive tackle who's going to come in. He primarily played right tackle for the Spartans, uh, but he's the lone incoming player. But when you see all these departures, uh, it, it's, it's really become expected, I guess, for Oklahoma and not only Oklahoma but for the college football world that you're going to see departures and people try to land somewhere else the crazy thing is Mason there's so many kids in the portal now will they all find homes including these 11 players that are leaving Oklahoma
1: Yeah it's a, it's a new age it, it seems like it it can tend to be uh, more difficult for these players to you know land somewhere I think the the guys that are going to, you know, probably be most attractive, I would say out of the the players that are leaving OU right now is is obviously uh Gabriel, but I, if I'm a if I'm a team uh, you know, looking for some utility in the portal some for, from some former Oklahoma players, uh I I would be very interested in Tawi Walker and Key Lawrence. Obviously, I think those two guys uh not I guess not all that surprising that they entered the portal. You know, obviously Tommy Walker this year was injured. Some had the in-house suspension. He's still not on scholarship for OU. He's probably looking to go somewhere that he can help himself out financially. And, you know, I think some team will see uh, the success he had in in games like the SMU game and the, and the Kansas game this year and say, Hey, this is a guy that we can get. We'll give him a scholarship and give him a shot. Uh, So I, I think he'll, he'll end up with a good opportunity somewhere. And, uh, key warrants, uh, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, uh, you know, uh, uh, struggled at times, but a very experienced player in the secondary. Uh, he might be able to provide some utility for somebody. The other guy that's really interesting is Daylon Smothers. Like, freshman fr- any time a freshman enters the portal, uh, it's like, whoa, like what happened? And I think with Smothers, it's just he just didn't see any playing time this year as a freshman and they've got two more guys coming in behind him in the next recruiting class and Xavier Robinson and Taylor Tatum. And the writing's kind of on the wall right there as it is. So, but he's a, he's a guy that, you know, could be a big pickup for somebody that really needs a run, a young running
0: back with no mileage. Oklahoma, you know, we had a chance to talk to coach Venables today during the Alamo bowl press conference. He talked to us via zoom. He talked about how many players were looking at this recruiting cycle. I said a year ago, uh, they they signed 42 scholarship players that they brought in January. This year, he thinks, give or take, around 35 to 37 new scholarship players. And then he thinks 27 of those are going to be high school players. So, and he want, he thinks 20 of them, he gave us some good numbers. 20 of them will be in, on campus mid-year. So, he, and he thinks he'll have around that mid-year compared to 42 last year, around 28 or 29 this year. So, uh, the numbers are still big. Uh, I think it's important, as we talked about in the past, that um, getting them on campus, getting in that head start to their careers is huge. Now, with all that, who do you what do you what do you target in the portal? I mean, I know the offensive line is so important. they got they got Spencer Brown from Michigan State. They probably need someone else. I think defensive tackles, you can't go too wrong with getting looking at any kind of defense tackle. I know Chris McClellan, an Owasso High School graduate who played the last two years at Florida. Said he got an offer from OU today, uh, but I think you really do try to hit the, the 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 defensive line pretty hard. You get another edge rusher if you can get one. Uh, you know, Bothroyd was a really good pickup, and Trace Ford were two really good pickups this past year at that position. You, you probably get another one where you're trying, you know, to get players like PJ Adebore. That's a I'll never get his name right. Where you're trying to get them some more, you know, reps and try to get them a little bit stronger too. Um, linebacker, I guess you mentioned that you get a linebacker to replace Danny Stutzman. Uh, try to get someone there, uh, and uh, I hate to say it, but probably a kicker, right? <laughs> I think they
1: have to have a kicker. I think 100 percent they have to have a kicker. Uh, that 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 was uh, definitely an issue this year. So yeah, you uh, the one I would add is is tight end. I mean, I know they're bringing in. I know they're bringing in Devon Mitchell. Uh, he's a four star recruit. He you know maybe he's he's really that good that he starts day one it's certainly possible but you just don't know I mean Jason Llewellyn's entered the portal Caden Helms has injured the entire season the rest of the guys in the group they didn't get a lot out of uh so with Austin Stogner being out of eligibility uh, I think they'd be wise to add at least one uh, you know experienced tight end uh, that that can give them something in the blocking game and in the passing game somebody that's It's uh, really uh, well-rounded. I think it would be good to have uh, veteran-experienced leadership in that room to replace Stogner.
0: Well, we are less than two weeks from signing day. Uh, Christmas in December, uh, early Christmas in December for Oklahoma fans. December 20th is signing day. That's when the the window opens for, I think, 72 hours. Is that correct? For early signing day for players. Um, So we'll have all your coverage here at the Tulsa World, about signing day. Uh, let's switch sports. Uh, let's look at men's basketball. The nationally ranked Oklahoma Sooners and Porter Mosier. I know you get a chance to talk to Porter today. They got a big one on Saturday. I mean, this is – and while the game is going to be played at Tulsa's BOK Center, I can promise you after being at the last two games between Arkansas and Oklahoma, there will be a lot more Razorback fans in the stands than OU fans – uh, with all due respect to OU fans, this is a huge game for Arkansas because it's an opportunity for a lot of the alumni here to go see Arkansas play. So I, I just think that we'll see that. But Oklahoma, two years ago, played really well in this game. Last year, didn't play well in this game. Uh, this year, uh, they're going. To, they're taking an undefeated uh, team into the BOK Center for what's going to be a big game. Yeah, it's
1: honestly a wonder that OU won that game two years ago. You look at that year's roster and also last year's roster, and uh, there are some definitely some differences there in terms of the personnel that they had. But neither of them was nearly as good as the roster that Porter Moser's putting out there now. He he really did uh, wonders in the transfer portal. We're not going to be able to talk about that um, enough. The guy that's really standing out right now is Jv and on the of transfer. He he just he's he's a bucket getter. He dropped. 19 points the other night and also crashed for seven rebounds. And uh, these aren't easy buckets either. He's hitting some step back, some side step jump shots with a degree of difficulty. Uh, Shots that, you know, you really haven't seen anybody uh, at Oklahoma make probably since like Austin Reeves. So it's been it's been a couple of years. And uh, he just really impressive. I asked the other night after their game against Providence, I asked Providence's coach Kim English about him. And he compared him to Allen Iverson, said that, that that's what that's what he sees out of JV and McCollum right now. Um, and talking to Porter Moser today, it was kind of funny because he in one moment answering one question, he compared McCollum to Hollis Price, just a player that can score with difficulty and and brings a lot of energy. But then there was a follow up question. And to that, he was like, well, I don't really like to compare. Uh, like Javion just needs to be his own guy. He just needs to be Javion. It's like, wait, but you just compared him to like one of the greatest OU players of all time. Uh, so uh, that that was a fun moment with Porter this afternoon. I think I think the just I think the gist of it was uh it, it was all it was all fun and games. But Javion McCollum's become a really good player for OU, and you know they're gonna need him to keep up what he's been doing going into Arkansas. You look at Arkansas as an opponent. Uh, Some really talented, really talented players like, uh, you know, Trayvon Mark for them is averaging 17 a game and Khalif Battle also averaging almost 17. They're getting only 11 a game out of Trayvon Brazil. He's just a sophomore, but uh, in ESPN's early, uh, you know, latest mock draft last week, he was projected as a late first rounder. So, uh, and, and Arkansas had four players drafted last year. So, Eric Musselman just continues to to turn talent through Fayetteville, and uh, as you pointed out, with uh, the fan the fans, uh, Arkansas fans being well traveled for this game, uh, there's probably going to be about uh, anywhere between twelve to fourteen thousand people in, at this game on Saturday. If we're kind of comparing the numbers from the past two years, and it, it's going to be not only the biggest crowd that OE's played in front of this season, but quite possibly the most hostile environment you meant with you mentioning just, just how well these Arkansas fans travel for this really talented team.
0: It's always a fun one too. And the good thing is it's a three o'clock tip, I believe, which the last two years it's coincided with the Christmas parade in downtown Tulsa. So getting to the BOK center was a mess for those 11 AM and noon tip offs because the parade was going on at the same time. So three o'clock, the parade should be out of the way Oklahoma at Arkansas in the BOK Center. I'm looking forward to it. The Crimson and Cardinal Classic. It has a name. And this is the last year of it, too. Originally was a four-year deal. uh, But with the Sooners joining the SEC, uh, this is the last year of this game. I'd love to see if they could, when they do play regular season games, if they could meet in Tulsa for an SEC game. (laughs) You never know. You never know. So, uh, switch gears. Uh, before we finish up, I want to wrap up and talk about the women's team. Six and two. Uh, they have a big game on Saturday too. They they welcome UNLV to town. Eight and no UNLV, unbeaten UNLV. So that's going to be a big game for the Sooners in terms of looking at, uh, you know, a win over a UNLV will probably mean a lot, a lot in the month of March when the selection committee meets and sees quality games. Uh, so they play at Lloyd Noble Center. Two o'clock Saturday, the Sooners coming off a 103-69 win over Grambling last Saturday. It's finals week, so they'll only have one game in a two-week span. They played last Saturday, they played this Saturday, and then they played next Saturday. So there's a lot of uh a lot of time to practice. And Jenny Bronchek, after back-to-back losses uh two weeks ago to uh Princeton and Tennessee, I think that she really is just focusing on just this team uh, you know, bouncing back. And they did against Grambling. Uh, Landry Allen with 11 points, 12 rebounds, double double. You hit 14 three pointers. Uh, leading score right now. Oklahoma's five players in double figures. Aubrey Jones is averaging 13.5 points a game. The Iowa State transfer, uh, she's really settling. And this whole team, really, when you think about it, too, uh, they're they're still trying to find themselves, but they have a lot of scoring punch. So big game on Saturday. UNL be at Oklahoma, two o'clock, Lloyd Noble Center. All right. Well, Mason, I think that'll wrap us up. And the next time we talk, we'll be close to to signing day. Uh, hopefully, next early next week, I think we'll get an opportunity to talk to Seth Latrell and Joe John Finley, the new offensive coordinators for the Oklahoma football program, as well as Brent Venables. We only got a handful of questions with them. I know there's a lot more questions uh, we want to ask Brent. Uh, you know, I, I want to ask him about you know what the relate. This is my question. This is what I was going to ask him today. It's just the relationship. That Seth has with Jackson Arnold, did he create a really good one over the the the, the last year? They both got on campus about the same time. Uh, what's their relationship like? How much did he work with you know? Often, you know, of course they couldn't work on the field, but you know, how much did they get to know each other? While well, Seth Luttrell was an offensive analyst, now he's the quarterbacks coach, a quarterbacks coach for the first time. And I wanted to, I wanted to ask him today is what did he see about that relationship? And uh, and plus, this is Seth's first time as a quarterbacks coach. You know what's it gonna be like seeing him as a quarterback's coach uh what you what what if you if you had a thoughts of a question what, what would your question be right now to Brent and this football program moving forward on Monday what 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 kind of direction what are what are you wondering about when we get this access not only to Brent but to the coordinators too
1: I'm I'm still really fascinated by the Joe John Finley situation. It sounds like he we haven't talked about that a lot a lot of the the eye has been on Seth Luttrell, and rightfully so, because now he's the guy that's going to be calling the plays for Oklahoma moving forward. But uh, Brent Venable said in his statement when he announced the promotions that Jojon had opportunities to go elsewhere and, and be the sole offensive coordinator. We It's been you know widely reported that Jeff Levy was trying to take him with him to Mississippi State, uh, but Jojon chose to stay here and, and take a promotion. and uh i i would be curious what Brent Venables thinks about i don't know i don't know if it's more a testament to just oklahoma the institution or the culture that Brent Venables has instilled within the past couple of years it's probably a little bit of both but that you know a coach like joe john finley that's a really talented position coach that would be willing to uh you know stay for a less a lesser job at his alma mater because of how much he cares about his alma mater and that program i think is just a really unique situation you see a lot of coaches in that situation who are looking out for themselves and it seems like he was he was really looking out for the program that has shaped him as a player um, and as a coach uh, over the past several years and so just will be curious to find out more about why why he uh, decided to stay and and how he hopes to as he's going to now be a a much larger part of OE's offensive game planning week to week, how he hopes to kind of influence the direction of the offense moving forward.
0: All right. Well, Mason, I guess until next week, uh, have a good weekend. It's good to talk to you again. It's, It's just been busy. It's been crazy busy. And next week with our availability, it'll be another Monday, Tuesday, early part of the week, but it's going to be really busy. But I'm looking forward to it as we are looking forward to bringing all our stories, copy everything to the newspaper and to our website, TulsaWorld.com. We'll be back next week with another podcast. Uh, Please listen in. We really appreciate you uh, listening to our podcast too. So for everyone out there, thanks a bunch and have a good weekend.